Well, here we are for the next, next few weeks, and one of the first things I thought I should do coming here was to find out where you folk are at and what your church mission statement is. Do you know what it is? We have a test this morning. That might be a bit unfair, mightn't it? Share Jesus, care for people, encourage Christian growth. I think that's beautiful. It says it all, doesn't it? So, so much more succinctly than most pastors can. And I thought within the context and the, and the focus of that beautiful mission statement, we might look at first and maybe second Peter if we get that far. And I would invite you with me to follow Jesus with Peter over the coming weeks as we look into some of Peter's first letter and maybe his second letter as well. And I thought following Jesus with Peter puts us in good company because we all know that Peter had his ups and downs. Often he'd open his mouth and blow it. Um, but the Lord had patience with him. And one of the beautiful things about Peter's life that he, he really lived within the bookends of Jesus' words, follow me. Mark tells us that they were among the first words that Jesus spoke to Peter on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. And then right at the end, the Apostle John tells us, again, down by the beach at Galilee, Jesus had that interchange with Peter. We won't go into that this morning, but that beautiful experience where, where Jesus graciously unwound the failures of Peter's three times denying Jesus. And after the resurrection, Jesus gave Peter the opportunity three times to confess that Jesus is my Lord, and yes, Lord, I do love you. And then Peter turned and saw one of the other disciples, and after Jesus had said, okay, Peter, out you go, you feed my flock, care for them. And Peter turned to this other guy and said, what about him, Lord? And Jesus repeated those words which formed the bookends of Peter's life at the beginning and at the end of his time with the resurrected Jesus. Follow me. It's not rocket science, is it? And friends, <clears throat> that's what Jesus continues to say to us. And through Peter's letters, um, these words become clear Again, And one of the lovely things about <clears throat> Peter's letters is that there's a beautiful blend between a passionate description of the gospel and I'm relieved and I think you'll be relieved to know that what Peter writes is really quite accessible to us. He doesn't get bogged down with sophisticated theology. But he just goes time and time again back to the gospel, back to the cross and reminds us of what it's all about, following the Christ who died on the cross and who was raised again. And in with that, he blends a great deal of practical instruction as to what it means, not just to follow Jesus theologically, but to live Jesus practically in the lives that he's given us. So over the next few weeks, 
Is that okay if we make that our emphasis? Some good teaching in these letters. And you might like to do a bit of homework before um, the next time I preach, which won't be until a couple of weeks, because next week I must just interrupt and say you are greatly privileged to have um, our Indian friends, Moana and Vili, who are workers with Global Interaction working up in the north of Thailand. They were our guests last Thursday night at our home group at Croydon Hills that, that we lead, about 20 of us, and we had a beautiful meal together, and Juana and Vili and their three beautiful girls were there with us. And don't miss next Sunday morning. Get them to tell their testimony of how they sensed God calling them into ministry and service. A lovely story to tell. So let me read to you um, from 1 Peter chapter 1. If you've got your Bibles or your devices, we have to get into the modern age these days, don't we? I remember in the olden days, <laughs> when we used to worship out there, whenever we turned to the Bible, one of, one of our good leaders, I'd see him fiddling with his, with his phone down there, and I thought to myself, goodness, why is he fiddling with his phone at the very time we're going to read the Scriptures? Until he... Until he informed this ignorant person up here that he had several editions of the scriptures on his phone. Well, I'm old-fashioned enough still to read from a book, do you? If you've got your Bibles or your devices, turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1, and we're just going to read the first nine verses. Um, first nine verses. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect Strangers in the world, scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia and Bithynia, who've been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and sprinkling by his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Praise to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And friends, we could go on, but you might like to read the rest of the, the chapter at home. We'll just look at one or two extra verses um, over the next few minutes. But... <clears throat> Being very helpful to preachers, 
There are three main themes in this first chapter. And the first one is know who you are in Christ. Know who you are in Christ. That's terribly important as we journey on following Jesus with Peter. Know who you are. Celebrate your high self-esteem in Christ. Peter knew who he was and he started his letter with that. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. And then he went on addressing himself to God's elect and he reminded us of our, our position with God. We have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and sprinkling by his blood. Friends, be totally clear about who you are in Christ. Three beautiful descriptions there. You've been chosen by God the Father. Now, we're not going to ask those awkward questions like our preacher did last Sunday and he really stretched our minds in a, in a, in a wonderful way. But the obvious question some people ask is, how did God know beforehand to choose us? I'm not even going to go there. Friends, just accept it by faith because that's what God's word tells us. By God's grace, you and I, through faith in Christ, have been chosen by God. Not only that, you have been sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Now, we might just need to unpack that theological word, sanctified. Let us understand it as meaning that by the Holy Spirit, we have been purified. doesn't mean that we've been made perfect, but we've been made acceptable to stand before the holy presence of God. So friends, you've been chosen by God. You've been made acceptable by the Holy Spirit. And you have been saved by the cross of Jesus Christ. That's what these scriptures say. And Paul affirms this right at the start of his beautiful first letter. So friends, we need to be absolutely clear about who we are in Christ. You know, there are a lot of people these days and, and it's becoming an increasing concern, people who do suffer from a low self-esteem, people who suffer bullying in the workplace. We've been trying to help a neighbour of ours over the last 10 years who's been victimised in the workplace. Bullying of our children and, and our teenagers at school. Every morning, Isabel and I pray for our four children at school that they'll be kept safe as well as being able to learn well. In the, in the workplace, people, sometimes what people have inherited through their their family set up and, and so on. People who suffer a great deal and yet very often put on a glamorous, glorious exterior so that people even close to them have no idea of the burdens that they're carrying. And all of that has come back to us this week with the, the very sad and tragic death of 
Kate Spade, the women's fashion designer. Now, I've got to admit that I don't really take a great, great deal of notice in women's fashions and what kind of handbag they carry and so on. But I did listen in to some documentary um, conversation about the events leading up to her death just this week. And I'm not even going to troll through those, but it's, it's just so very sad when anybody ends their life in, in circumstances like this. And very often, by looking at a person's face and their general demeanour, we have no idea of the burdens that they're carrying. And friends, we need to realise that even though these verses this morning <clears throat> remind us clearly of who we are in Christ and truths which should enhance our self-esteem, nevertheless, nevertheless, there are people within the family of God's, of God's chosen who suffer in ways that we often don't detect. And our community leaders are saying to us time and again, care for each other. And that's what your mission statement says, care for people. Don't be afraid to say to someone, how are you? Are you okay? Because this is the world in which we live. But this morning, let me say to you, good people here, Know who you are in Christ. Despite occasional negative feelings, whatever they might be, those feelings which, which come and go, never undervalue, never undervalue your life because God loves you and he sent the Holy Spirit to make you acceptable by God. He sent his son to give us salvation and a new life. There's the first theme that, that Peter dwells on. Know who you are in Christ. What about the next one? Know what you have in Christ. And I've called this an avalanche of blessings. An avalanche of blessings. A couple of weeks ago, we were with our, our youngest grandson, and he happens to be an only child in my in my son's family and he had his birthday and I've got to say he does get a bit spoiled at birthday time with his family, his extended family and loads of friends and so on and we turned up to play with him after school one day as we do each week while his mum's teaching a couple of art classes and here are these great boxes of toys on the floor and he hadn't opened nearly all of them and he picked out um, a Rubik's Cube. Now, I was never much good at Rubik's Cubes, those three-dimensional things that have to wiggle around. But this was a new one I'd never seen before. It was a Rubik's Cube, but just one dimension on a tray. And we had to move little coloured spaces around. I forget, there are about, I don't know, 30 or so in a square. Uh, no, that won't work. <laughs> Four into 30 doesn't quite go. <laughs> we won't go there. That's why I couldn't do Rubik's Cubes. <laughs> anyway, we're playing around on these. And I just thought to myself, look at all these gifts. It's like an avalanche of birthday gifts. And friends, when we look at these next few verses, it's like an avalanche of blessings that God has given us. 
In fact, I think Peter got so inspired and excited, he forgot to put in a full stop. But knowing Peter, with the greatest of respect for fishermen, he mightn't have been all that crash hot on grammar. So he just allowed these great thoughts about God to tumble out, and they kept tumbling. And they're there in those verses, such a beautiful array of blessings that we have in Christ. So, friends, know what you have in Christ. Listen to these. New birth. You know how the old versions used to be, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for he is... I thought I could remember them all. (laughs) In his great mercy, he's given us new birth. He's given us new birth. And Peter's reminded us of that in, in our worship time this morning Um, a a new birth in Christ the opportunity of a new life turning our backs on the old life on the selfishness and the sin that is encumbered our ways and launching out into a new life in Christ he's given us new birth into a living hope A living hope. Not just sitting and hoping for retirement or for healthy years in retirement or for good grandchildren or a good... Not just hoping for something in the distance but a living hope which is present every moment of every day. Here, when you go home from church and tomorrow, whatever comes, a living hope which is alive and present and continuous. What a blessing that is. One of our other neighbours that Isabel and I are trying to help um, lost her husband. And I used to play snooker with him every Friday morning. Um, <clears throat> we used to drive together down to Ringwood North and unexpectedly died about a month ago. And his widow is having all kinds of issues with the hospital and the circumstances of his death and And she is in a great deal of pain. Sadly, she's not a believer. Um, She knows where Isabel and I stand, but she doesn't share our faith. And she absolutely has no joy, no sense of peace. I know grief is is a terrible thing to go through, but she can't go back to the bedroom where she slept with her husband. She can't do that. She sleeps on a divan with the two dogs in the family room. And when we've told, suggested that she go back to the doctor, she's got a couple of things needing attention. She says, well, it's hardly worth it. What's life got for me in any case? And we, we just feel so sad for her. No hope. And one of the blessings that we have in Christ is this living hope. Not only that, but we have a guaranteed inheritance. Peter goes on and says, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, we've been born again into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. Kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Full stop. Time for a break. Time for a breath. Get the feeling of these magnificent blessings which almost defy description and they tumble out 
and we have this avalanche of blessings. This inheritance, untouched by death, unstained by evil, unspoiled by time, unaffected by fraud. And the interesting thing was while I was reflecting on these verses a week or so ago, my computer was on and it dinged and there on the screen was an invitation, Graham, you have won a prize. <laughs> Do you ever get those? Press here to claim your Toyota Kruger. Kluger. Now, I didn't need a Toyota Kluger. I still drive my trusty old Ford that's 17 years old and got 280,000 kilometres on the speedo, and it'll keep going as long as it'll, as long as it'll keep going. But I had enough sense not to click that because the people who sent that email to me, as you know as well as I do, they weren't interested in giving me a Toyota Kluger. They just wanted to get my bank, bank account so that they could, they could do harm and evil. But that's the way of the world, isn't it? But not so for us. A guaranteed inheritance. We've got a secure salvation that is ready to be revealed at the last time, at the coming of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. You might say, what does that mean? I've already got salvation. Friends, we've only got the first instalment. Do you know the words of that famous song? The best is yet to come. And God still has his great salvation ready to endow us with when he comes again. And then Peter goes on and says, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Peter only had to look around and he was aware of the storm clouds that were gathering on the horizon and they were being targeted to people who were following Jesus Christ. And we know that probably only a matter of a year or two after Peter wrote these letters, he was executed by uh, the Roman Emperor Nero. And soon after this, following the day of Pentecost, when hundreds, thousands of people came to faith in Christ, with those storm clouds of persecution, persecution um, mounting, many Christians fled north, up into the region of what is now modern-day Turkey. Uh, and some people probably became believers as a result of the witnessing of those people who experienced the outpouring of God's Spirit on the day of Pentecost. Um, but friends, these words are very, very appropriate for thousands, for millions of believers around the world today many of whom live in countries where they take an enormous risk to name the name of Christ. We're told that something like 100,000 Christians are violently killed for some relation to their faith in Jesus Christ across 60 countries of the world every year. And there are some scholars who believe that that number should be greatly extended. 
That's the world we're we are living in today. And in our own country, we don't suffer persecution like that. But over recent weeks, there have been articles in some parts of our media that I've been exploring, alerting us to the fact that in many of our teaching and learning institutions, there is an intentional commitment to eliminate classes in Western civilization and particularly classes which affirm the heritage that we enjoy here in Australia of our Christian, our Judeo-Christian background. Friends, that's the kind of world that is emerging and that's the kind of world that we bring our grandchildren up into. And we're beginning to see and feel something of the impact on that. So friends, in all of this, in this changing scene, know what you have in Christ and celebrate it. That's why we're here in church this morning, isn't it? To worship God and to identify the blessings that he's poured out upon us like an avalanche. But now we must come to the last part of the message before I, I get the power turned off or something. <clears throat> so we've looked at know who you are in Christ. Know what you have in Christ. But friends, Peter doesn't, doesn't let us go at that point. He says, now live like Christ. And he doesn't say do all these things in order to earn your salvation. He says, because you have affirmed your faith in Christ and you've been born again by the Holy Spirit, now do these things. And I've got a few quick dot points for you. And if you forget any of these, I won't give you a test at the end in a few minutes. But go home, pick out your Bible and you can make your own dot points. Here they are. Number one, get your minds into gear. Peter says, therefore... Going back to what we've already read, he says, prepare your minds for action. Get your mind into gear. In some of the commentary about Barnaby Joyce this week, and I, I, I apologise for mentioning that name, but I heard his lady say in an interview, I think it was on the news or something, he can't help who you fall in love with. Wrong. We've got a mind. And Peter says, get your minds into gear because that's where our actions commence. And we can't take the easy shots and articulate excuses which exonerate us from the actions that we've been involved in. Get your minds into gear, Peter says. Do it now. And then he moves on and says, self-control. Be self-controlled. He doesn't embellish that. It's just there. You know the areas in your life in which you need more self-control. Do it. Just do it. It's not rocket science, friends. Live with certain hope. Don't waver on the truths of the gospel. We've been born again, Peter's already said in the scriptures, to a living hope. Not something which comes and goes, not something which fades and, and all that kind of thing. It's a living hope every day. Live with it. 
Live with certain hope. Be finished with your previous values as obedient children. Do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. Be finished with your previous values. You've been born again. The old has gone and the new has come. Do away with those old values. Live a holy life. And it doesn't mean necessarily be perfect, but live a life by the Holy Spirit which is acceptable before God. In other words, display God's qualities, the fruit of the Spirit. And then over in a couple of verses further on, verse 17, Peter says, Since you call on a father who judges each man in man's work impartially, live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. Friends, live as strangers in our world. Don't live as strangers to your neighbours, but live as strangers to the values which increasingly our world is discarding and different values which our world is trying to embrace. Live always beneath the cross. Last week at the communion table, I read these words to you again from 1 Peter um, chapter 1. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Friends, live every day beneath the shadow of the cross. Never forget the cross. And then these lovely words, a couple of verses further on. The scripture says, Now that you've purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for your brothers. And these words, which I think are just an absolute gem in scripture. Love one another deeply from the heart. Isn't that beautiful? Friends, if you, if you forget everything else that's been said this morning, take those words away with you this morning. Love one another deeply from the heart. Our homes and our churches ought to be laboratories where we learn to love so that when we go out into our communities, wherever they'll be, We've been equipped and trained and tested to love one another deeply from the heart. Didn't you enjoy the words of the, the bishop who brought the, the message to the royal wedding, the royal couple um, a few weeks ago, Bishop Michael Curry, the primate of the American Episcopal Church at the wedding of Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. You remember how he commenced with those beautiful words of Martin Luther King. I can't, I can't speak with that rich, resonant voice that he had. But he said, we must discover the power of love, the redemptive power of love. And when we do that, we'll be able to make this old world a new world, 
And then he thundered out through that beautiful chapel at Windsor, love is the only way. Then he went on and said, there is power in love. Don't underestimate it. Don't even over-sentimentalise it. There is power, power in love. And that's what God's word says. Love one another deeply from the heart. And friends, finally be nourished by God's word because that's where all this has come from. If you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. Friends, know who you are in Christ. Celebrate your high esteem. Know what you have in Christ, that beautiful, rich avalanche of blessings. And now live for Jesus because this is your pattern for life. Can I pray with you? Our God and our Father, we thank you for the richness of your word to us this morning. And as we listen to these sublime words, Lord, we say it's impossible for us to attain this standard. But we thank you, Lord, for the nurture that comes to us from your word. And we thank you for the strength and the empowering that comes to us individually through the daily gifting of your spirit. Grant, Lord, that as we've been blessed in worship this morning, we will be a blessing to those that we go out and live with during the days of this coming week. And all we ask is for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen.